Welcome, Bones and Meat, to the inscrutable Brimbo Banks Brothers Electronic Storytime presentation of The Sticky Situation, A Bird, Canon, Mystery. Now lie back and think of England as I turn you over to the Brimbo Banks Brothers themselves, Bentley and Jameson Brimbo Banks. A lovely day for a stroll, is it not, my brother Jameson? Indeed it is, my brother Bentley. Sky is a bit grey, perhaps. A spot of fog here and there. Just how I like my Kensington Gardens. Without a bit of overcast to mute it, I'd find the park's beauty a bit too much to bear. Thank you for bringing me with you, masters. The fresh air does wonders for my servos and peers. <laughs> no, it doesn't, you silly robot. But if it makes you happy to say so... Do you hear someone shrieking for help? You know, I believe I did. It's coming from that way. Help! I don't know how to swim! There. That young girl appears to be drowning. Indeed she does. Appear to be drowning. Someone should do something. In the fountain water. Won't someone save me? Stand up! What? Stand up, you silly girl! You're thrashing about in perhaps a foot of water. Stand up, I say. Damsel, save thyself. Oh, fine. Come here, girl. You've made a soggy spectacle of yourself. Oh, fine. Who are you? And how did you come to be flailing around in these fountains? I'm Sally Smedley, and... And I must admit, I fell in on purpose. Why in the world would you do such a thing as that, young Miss Smedley? You see those boys playing at football over there? Aha. Uh -huh. I do indeed. I thought if I fell in the water and splashed about, that tall, handsome boy might come save me. The blonde fellow with the prominent chin? <sighs> That's the one. He does look rather the heroic type, doesn't he? He sure does. <sighs> Well, my dear, it's high time you've learned an important lesson. Attractive packages do not always contain heroic contents. And what's more, sometimes heroes do arrive in forms one might never expect. I think I sense a story coming. Indeed you do. Sally, have a seat with us here on the bench. Voxbot, start up your sound effects and background music programs. Yes, masters. Our story begins in a park. A park in some ways like the park we find ourselves in today, but in the far-off United States of America, in Chandler's Grove, a suburb of Municipal City. That day in Chandler's Grove, there was no fog and not a cloud in the sky. The town's residents might have welcomed a few as a reprieve from the sweltering heat. But not Bert Cannon, for when the streets grew hot, his business always picked up both kinds of business. It's a kind of heat that day when your shirt sticks to your back and your regrets stick to the front of your mind. It was like Satan had turned up the furnace downstairs just to see if he could squeeze a little more sin and a little more sweat out of us poor saps up above. And brother, it was working. 
but I had a way to keep it cool. In a small truck surrounded by a couple hundred bomb pops and other frozen novelty treats. Wait a minute. Is he narrating? Nonsense. We're the narrators around here. He's just a character. It seems like he's narrating. Well, he can try if he likes, but we know what's what. There was a long line of sweaty kids growing increasingly impatient at the four-eyed milk toast holding up the line as he slowly perused the menu printed in bright technicolor on the side of the truck. Hmm, well, the cyclone certainly looks refreshing, but I, uh, worry that perhaps I will regret it if I don't purchase something of a, a chocolatey nature, such as the, uh, the Choco Taco. Then again, on a day such as today, perhaps the citrus-based treat is the wiser course. Come on, Come kid. On, oh, will you pick something? Pick something! I'm dying! Very well. I'll take a push-up. I reached into the freezer for the treat, knowing it was the only kind of push-up this sissy would ever be able to finish in his life. Here you go, kid. That'll be a buck. The lad plumped two quarters, three dimes, two nickels, and ten pennies onto the counter. These kids. Always with the loose change. The next child in line was a sad-eyed little girl, wearing her mousy brown hair in uneven pigtails and olive-covered overalls over a pink and slightly less pink striped shirt. Her tear-rimmed eyes scanned up and down the menu, but Bert Cannon had the distinct impression that she was not going to find what she was really looking for there. What's the matter, kid? My dog's gone, mister. There, there, kid. Don't cry. Here, have a strawberry shortcake premium bar. On the house. Gee, thanks. Said the girl politely, but neither the gesture nor the promise of the pink-tinted frozen delicacy seemed to cheer her at all. Can you... You help me find my dog, mister. Why would she ask me that? Was she just looking for help from anyone who might offer kindness? Or had she heard something? Hurry up already. I want to get an ice cream sandwich. Beat it, pork chop. Listen, kid, what's your name? Jenny. Jenny Valentine. Okay, Jenny Valentine. You go wait over there by the hobo passed out on the park bench. I'll be able to talk to you as soon as I clear up this line. The next boy in line was Tubby Malone, a daily visitor to Burt Cannon's ice cream truck who always ordered the same giant-sized ice cream sandwich and never offered a smile or a word of thanks, and always paid with a fistful of sticky nickels. Do you miss the bio? <coughs> my... <coughs> My hamster ran away too! Oh, boo! Can I have a free ice cream sandwich? I said, beat it, Tubby. It took Cannon some time to service the long line of salivating striplings, but once enough orange creamsicles, choco tacos, and Shrek shaped novelty pops had been passed out to sate the peckish preteens for the time being, Cannon was able to lock up his truck and visit Jenny Valentine patiently waiting next to the unconscious and fragrant vagrant. She had finished her strawberry shortcake bar, but was still holding onto the stick as though it were her only hope. Hey, kid. Oh, hey, mister. Cannon, Bert Cannon, ice cream truck driver. Thank you for the ice cream, Mr. Cannon. Don't mention it. I had a dog once myself. Good dog. What kind of dog was it? Doesn't matter. 
That was another time, another life. Tell me about your dog, Jenny. Well, he likes playing fetch and chasing squirrels, and his name is McGuffin. Okay, what kind of dog is he? A Neapolitan Mastiff. Good dog, working dog, my kind of mutt. Can you find him, mister? I can try. And so young Jenny Valentine gave Bert Cannon all the information she could. Where her neighborhood was, when she had last seen her dog, what sort of proclivities the beast had. When he was satisfied he had all the information he was likely to get, he said, What about payment, kid? Uh, I, I guess I hadn't thought about that. Nothing in life is free, Jenny. Not ice cream, not dames, and certainly not finding lost uh, I get an allowance of five dollars a week. We can work out the details later. And so, Bert Cannon returned to his ice cream truck and started up the engine. He smiled slightly as the engine roared to life. He flipped a switch overhead and he said to himself, This looks like a job for Bert Cannon, ice cream truck detective. Well, yes, but... Okay, now I'm kind of in the mood for some ice cream. Not yet. There's more to the story. Well, I think I got the point already, so... Sit down and listen to the rest. I really think I'd rather get ice cream. We saved your life. No, you didn't. Sit down or I'll go tell that blonde boy you've got cooties. Cooties aren't real. Then I'll tell him you've got gastronus fartaceus syndrome. <gasps> you Sit down. Fine. And so, Bert Cannon, ice cream truck detective, drove to Jenny Valentine's neighborhood and canvassed the street. What does canvassed the streets mean? Oh, looked around thoroughly. I don't know why. You couldn't just say that. Oh, blonde boy. Okay, okay. As I was saying, he canvassed the streets. I drove up and down through the neighborhood looking for Jenny Valentine's dog. I didn't really expect to find him, not just like that, but I did hope it might lead to something useful. I had to stop a few times, of course, as kids ran out to wave the truck down. Who would Toffee Bar Crunch, please? Fine. You seen this dog, kid? No. The trail was as cold as a blueberry blast snow cone, but I kept going. Another kid weighed me down. What do you have, kid? Nothing. I was wondering if you might want to buy some cookies. This kid was all business. A little lady scout all dressed up in her uniform and carrying a carton full of cookie boxes. What do you have? I got caramel contentments, skinny minties, stowaways, promenades. Look, kid, those are all cute names, but I'm in the business of selling treats, not buying them. Oh, yeah? Well, so am I, mister, and this here neighborhood is my turf. Get me? It's a free country, kid. Why don't you take a push-up and scram? Oh, Muffy! Muffy, darling! I had already reached down under the counter to get the push-up when I heard that voice calling. I stood up to see a brunette in a bright red dressing gown running across the nearest lawn. The dressing gown was tied tightly at the waist and hugged all her curves as tightly as a house cat hugs a mouse as it scratches its guts out. The deep V of the dressing gown gave a glimpse of ample cleavage that was like creamy coffee. 
golden brown and likely to keep a man up all night. I realized as I was watching her that I'd been pushing the frozen shaft of the push-up bar all the way out. Run along home, Muffy. Gee, Mom. You heard your mother. All right. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Cannon. Bert Cannon. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Cannon. She's an industrious little girl. She sometimes pushes too hard. No harm done, Mrs. But Miss Genevieve Turtletop. My husband has passed on. I'm sorry to hear that, Miss Turtletop. He wasn't. Ever since her father passed, I've tried to teach her to be tough, self-assured. Sometimes I'm afraid I've gone too far. Not at all. You've raised a spunky tight there, Miss Turtletop. And you've raised quite a push-up bar there, <laughs> Mr. Cannon. Uh, yes. I suppose I have. I hope you don't plan on it going to waste. Not at all, Miss Turtletop. It's yours. Call me Genevieve. He raised the push-up bar to her slightly parted lips. Maybe we should move on a little bit. Uh, yes, perhaps so. What? How come? Never mind. Anyway, once he was able to sit down again, Cannon continued canvassing the neighborhood, and he began to notice something. On every telephone pole, every street lamp, and on several of the trees, there were sad, hopeful, homemade signs posted. Lost dog answers to the name of Tilly. Lost dog answers to the name of Rex. Help find my dog. His name is Chauncey. Missing dog. Name of Beauregard. Reward offered. Please call with info. Please help. A pattern was forming that was louder than a Scotsman in a neon kilt. I saw a guy stapling a piece of paper to a telephone pole and decided to talk to him. Hey, buddy, can I ask you a few questions? Look, I don't want any ice cream, all right? I just want to ask you a couple of questions. You lost your dog? That's what the sign says, right? When did you see it last? Two days ago. Fido, the wandering kind? Not really. Got any reason to suspect somebody might take him? No. Got any enemies? Look, pal, ain't an ice cream man or a private eye? No law saying a fella can't be both. Is this a joke or something? You're taking that good humor thing too literally? I don't work for that company. Beat it, Mr. Frosty. Fine. Somewhat annoyed and no closer to getting answers, Bert Cannon returned to his vehicle. He opened up the door and began to step inside. As he did so, something reached up from underneath the truck and grabbed him around the ankle. Bert pitched forward and slammed his forehead sharply against the cold steel floor. That was even easier than I thought it would be, he heard a voice say as he slipped into unconsciousness. Well, then what? Oh, did you want to hear the rest? Well, okay, yes, I do. Very well, but you'll have to wait until after this commercial break. What? You're telling a story to a little girl in a park. Why would you pause for a commercial break? We don't have to explain everything to you. And so, while the mystery in the bump on Burr Cannon's head grows, we take you to this commercial interruption. Hey gangsters, are you tired of being shot in the chest? Boy, am I. Me too. I've been shot five times this year already. I've been shot three times, and the only reason last one didn't kill me, because it hit my lucky cigarette case. Well, how would you like a bulletproof vest that's made entirely of lucky cigarette cases? Boy, would I. That sounds like a swell idea. Well, here it is. 
New from Totally Legitimate Industries comes the Lucky Cigarette Case Bulletproof Vest. Boy, I'll take one right now. Wait a minute. How do we know deeds are really lucky cigarette cases? Each cigarette case that goes into making a Lucky Cigarette Case Bulletproof Vest was purchased from an individual who gave personal testimony about its lucky properties. Just listen to these testimonials. Well, my mom gave me this cigarette case before I was shipped overseas, and it seen me through the war. A big daddy DeLucia gave me this cigarette case after he trained his papers on my kilograms at the old brother club. He had it all through his rise to power and then got whacked a week after giving it to me. This cigarette case is lucky, cause I says it's lucky. Get it? What do you say to that, fellas? Boy, I'm sold. I'm gonna get one for me, and one for my godfather for Christmas. Get your lucky cigarette case bulletproof vest today. It's in the right place every time. Hey, you all right, Lefty? I sure am. Thanks, Lucky Cigarette Case Bulletproof Vest. Also available, bulletproof vest made out of Bibles what my mother gave me. We now return you to the inscrutable Brimbo Banks Brothers electronic storytime presentation of Bert Cannon, a dog gone mystery. Bert Cannon was returning to consciousness slowly. He could feel the familiar cold metal floor of the ice cream truck beneath him. It was hardly the first time, after all, that he had found himself returning to consciousness there. This time was different, though. He opened his eyes to see that he had been tied up with rope and an impressive array of expertly tied knots. He managed to pull himself up to a seated position against the freezer. Standing in front of him were five little girls, all the same height, with the same raven black hair. They had black bandanas tied just below their cold blue eyes, and were dressed entirely in black, from there to their feet. Stay out of this neighborhood, said one of the girls. What's the problem, kid? You don't listen so good, do you, ice cream man? Stay out of this neighborhood. Is it the ice cream that's the problem or the questions about the dog? The girl who had been speaking took two steps over toward him and backhanded Cannon across the face. That all you got, kid? I've been hit harder by bugs when I go jogging. You ain't been jogging in a long time, Tubbo. And with that, she smacked the goose egg that was still throbbing on his forehead. It stung considerably more, but Cannon wouldn't show it. If that don't get the message through you, maybe this will. The girl snapped her finger and two of her compatriots opened the back doors of the truck. Cannon's entire inventory of cold confections was melting into a mushy morass on the street. My ice cream! Maybe now you get the message. Stay out of this neighborhood. The other girls held the door open for her as she turned away from him and hopped out. The rest followed, leaving the enraged Bert Cannon tied up behind them. I'll get you for this, you little brats! You ain't heard the last of me! Nobody melts my ice cream and gets away with it, you hear me? Nobody! Cannon took a deep breath and called himself. Don't lose your cool, Cannon. Don't let the beast out of the freezer. Remember, that's how you lost everything before, right? Be calm. Be cool. Think of the cold. He pushed the anger back down inside of him, but whether it was tamed or merely waiting, Cannon couldn't be sure. He sat there, tied up in the ice cream truck until the police finally found him. Well, 
if it isn't Bert Cannon. All tied up, Bert. That's a good joke, Officer O'Malley. You should write for Bazooka Joe, shot mine like that. Better to write bad jokes than to be one, Cannon. After evading a few annoying questions and cleaning up the popsicle sticks in empty wrappers, Cannon headed back to the office to restock. His boss was delighted to see him again after such a recent visit. You want ice cream already? Well, yes. That's great, Cannon, that's great. See, I told you, if you just concentrated on moving the product, you'd be great at this. Yes, sir. About that. We're making a real ice cream man out of you after all, Cannon. What the hell happened to your head, though? Never mind that. I did want to run a few questions by you about a case I'm working on. Case? What case? The only kind of case you need to worry about is a case of fudgicles, Cannon. There's this missing dog, see? Actually, there's several missing dogs. And I don't think it's exactly a coincidence if you get my drift. Missing dogs? Cannon, listen to me. Okay, Chief. Just sell the damn ice cream, okay? Okay. And did you call me Chief? I don't think so. You got the dough for the latest batch of ice cream? Not on me. Do by Friday, Cannon. For the last batch and this. You're a patient man, boss. You're burning daylight, Cannon. Get out there and move the product. But Cannon was already out the door. He was alone. Like always. But his freezer was full again as was his determination to get to the bottom of this mystery. He had only driven a few blocks from headquarters when he noticed a black sedan with tinted windows about a block behind him. Hadn't he seen the same vehicle on his way to the home office? To test this theory that he had picked up a tail, Cannon took a few turns over the course of the next few blocks. The sedan followed, and each one. Think you can follow me, eh? Well, I've been around the block a few times. In fact, I've been around every damn block in the neighborhood hundreds of times. Luckily, it was another sweltering afternoon. Cannon slowed the engine down to a crawl, reached up, and flipped a switch. Sure as flies to a pile of manure, the siren song of the ice cream truck began to draw children from their homes. But Cannon did not stop driving slowly forward. Soon, a crowd of panting pubescents paraded behind the ponderously progressing truck. Once the mass of rapacious rascals had swelled to a mob, Cannon pressed the accelerator to the floor and left a streak of rubber. The mob of munchkins and the black sedan behind him. So long, suckers. The thrill of the chase and the allure of the mystery made Cannon feel more wild and alive than he had in years. He reached for the freezer and pulled out a Super Mario frozen treat. No one could blame him if he just had one, could they? He peeled off the wrapper and stared into Ice Cream Mario's blue gumball eyes. What do you think, Super Mario? Super Mario was a combination of ice, water, sugar, malotidextrin, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, Guar gum, carbohydrate gum, locust bean gum, mono and diglycerides, cellulose gum, palosobrate 65 and 80, carrageninin, artificial and natural flavors, citric acid, malic acid, pectin, red number 40, and blue number 1. And as such, he had no response. Yes. Bert Cannon said to the conglomeration of congealed chemicals. Yes, I think you're right about that. 
And so, his counsel concluded, Cannon took a big bite out of Super Mario's head, savoring that familiar sweetness he had denied himself for so long. Shortly thereafter, our goody peddling gumshoe arrived at the dog pound. One dog to go. What breed of dog, sir? It don't much matter. What do you have? The pound employee walked Cannon through an aisle of cages. Various dogs barked and whined at them from behind bars, but most cages were empty. Not a lot of dogs here. No, not right now. I'm happy to say most of our animals have recently been adopted. Is that right? What do we have here? A bit of a mud, I'm afraid. Kind of a mongrel. I kind of doubt you're watching. Let me talk to him a minute. Pardon me? I'd be happy to. Can I just talk to the dog alone for a minute? Very well. I'll be right back. Cannon kneeled down to talk to the mutt, eye to eye. The creature had brown and black mangy fur, and something seemed to have taken a bite out of its left ear. The fur on its muzzle was flecked with grey. It was not an attractive animal. Okay, boy. I'm not here to promise you a nice new home with a picket fence and squirrels and cats to chase. I need a dog for a dangerous mission. You might not come back. Hell, I might not come back. All I'm promising is that if you're down to mix it up a little, I can get you out of this joint for a few days. Capiche? Okay, buddy. I'll take this one. The mutt happily pranced after me out of the pound and hopped up onto the ice cream truck without the slightest indication that he had no idea who the person he was following was or what this thing was he was jumping into. He's narrating again. He's been pretty good about it so far. We can let him have a moment. Hmm. I guess dogs are pretty trusting like that. I guess dogs are pretty stupid. I told myself I wasn't going to name the damn thing before I got it, but what was I supposed to do? Just keep calling it dog? I decided to try out Marlo. He seemed to like it. Granted, if you smile at a dog and call it brain-dead fart breath, it's still gonna like it. We should really stop him from narrating. You're probably right. Cannon stopped off a fast food joint and picked up a couple of hamburgers. One for himself, one for Marlowe. They both ate them obnoxiously quickly and then shared a snow cone. Cannon returned to the neighborhood where he'd been jumped earlier just as it was beginning to get dark. He tied Marlowe to a fire hydrant with his leash and had a short talk with him. Listen, kid, don't be scared. I'll be right around the corner looking out for you, okay? In response, Marlow licked him on the cheek. The dog whined as Cannon walked away and headed back to the truck. Cannon did not look back until he was inside the vehicle, where he watched and he waited. He didn't have to wait long at all before a troop of little lady scouts, all dressed in their meticulously pressed uniforms, came up the street and approached the dog. They untied Marlow from the hydrant and began to drag him away from the spot. As much as the pooch had immediately trusted Cannon, it resisted the battalion of little dark-haired girls. It's tea time. It's tea time? What a terrible battle cry. I know, but he was all alone. They can't all be gone. Cannon stepped out of the ice cream truck, intending to follow the girls and Marlowe, but was immediately stopped by the familiar and alluring figure of Miss Genevieve Turtletaub. Cannon, I'm so glad to see you again. I have something I want to show you. She was dressed in that same red dressing gown again. What time did this lady put on her real clothes anyways? Normally I'd be pretty interested in anything she wanted to show me, but this wasn't a good time. Look lady, normally I'd be pretty interested in anything you wanted to show me, but this isn't a good time. This won't take a moment. It's an 
ice cream treat, Mr. Cannon. A favorite of mine, but I notice you don't have it on your menu. Maybe I could come back tomorrow and try it out. I don't see what could be so pressing you couldn't just try one bite. She pushed the treat toward me. It was shaped with the three familiar circles of the world's most popular cartoon mouse. Chocolate ice cream for ears, eyes and nose, vanilla for the face. It's a quality product, Mr. Cannon. Figuring at this point it would be faster to just try the thing than continue to argue, Cannon grabbed the novelty bar from Genevieve, took a quick bite, and swallowed. There. That was great. Can I please go now? Of course, Mr. Cannon. That was all I needed. Great. Cannon turned away from the sultry brunette and took two steps in the direction of Marlow and the girls before he felt his knees begin to buckle. The horizon teetered one way and then tottered the next. His head was spinning. When the cable cars call out to the mountaintop, fish me a new sunrise to Tuba Town. Cannon himself had no idea what that meant. He was fading fast. He fell to the ground, and then the last thing he saw as the darkness crept in from around the edges of his eyesight was the frozen treat Ms. Turtletop had given him. Still in his hand, one bite taken out of an ear. Too late, he realized, this wasn't just any chocolate and vanilla mouse he'd taken a bite of. She slipped me a Mickey. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I am delighted to introduce our special musical guest. Here's Marie Fleur with Shine On. Shine On. Take it away, Marie.
That was great. If I could snap my fingers, I totally would have. And now, back to the inscrutable Brimbo Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of Burt Cannon in The Malted Falcon. The first thing Burt Cannon was aware of as he began to regain consciousness was pain. The headache from coming off of the Mickey was like having ten brain freezes at once, and Cannon was a man well acquainted with brain freeze. He could hear dogs barking occasionally somewhere nearby, and voices talking. He couldn't make out what they were saying, though. It was like listening to someone try to talk to you underwater. He was tied up again, this time to a metal folding chair. He still clutched the cheap wooden popsicle stick from the Mickey bar in his hand, though the ice cream had since melted. His hand was sticky, his head was throbbing, his hate was growing. Eventually, the voices around him began to form words he could understand. He recognized the speaker, too. It was Little Lady Scout, Muffy Turtletop. Okay, so good job, everybody. I'm pleased to say that I've checked Mr. Cannon all over and... All of you have earned your knot-tying badges! Cannon opened his eyes and saw that he was seated in a circle of little lady scouts, all in metal folding chairs just like his, except for Muffy Turtletob, who was standing. But then, taking a closer look at the girl seated to the right of the girl speaking, wasn't that Muffy Turtletob? Maybe, maybe they're twins. But wait a minute, the next girl over. Triplets? Wait a minute. All of these girls look exactly like Muffy Turtletob. No way a bride gives birth to 12 identical babies and keeps her figure like Genevieve Turtletob did. Something ain't right. And how are cookie sales going, everyone? Excellent. 60 boxes sold since last meeting. 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 The Xerox scouts were starting to give me the willies a little. And I see everyone has brought a dog to feed the great beast to make additional members. Karen looked in the direction the Muffy's heads turned and fought the urge to pass out again or throw up from what he saw. A line of dogs and the great beast Muffy had referred to. The beast looked like no creature Cannon had ever seen. If it resembled anything, it looked a bit like a 20-foot-tall, pus-colored human heart, with spidery legs too numerous to count jutting out from all sides. It had four toothy mouths positioned on all sides, and was drooling orange saliva out of all of them. Part of Cannon hoped he had gone mad, but he knew he had not. He remembered what that felt like, and it was different than this. Let's begin the feeding, said one of the Muffies. All of the girls walked over to the dogs and each one grabbed a leash. Cannon spotted poor Marlow only a few spaces down the line, and a Neapolitan Mastiff that had to be Jenny Valentine's MacGuffin a few places behind that. The first girl in line walked a genial-looking Irish setter up to the great beast. When it got about five feet away from it, one of the arachnid-esque limbs snatched the dog and pulled it to the nearest mouth. It was gone in a single gulp. The great beast quivered and belched until several of its other legs reached up and pulled out a moist, dripping orb out of the top of its head. The arms deposited the orb gently down on the warehouse floor. Its amber-hued membrane was semi-transparent, and when he saw something moving around inside, Cannon realized the orb was an egg. 
The spidery limbs pulled the membrane apart, and a slime-covered child stepped out. Aside from the covering of goo, the latest little lady scout looked just like all the rest of them, including the uniform, but save for her sash, which did not yet have any badges upon it. Welcome, sister. All of the Muffy Turtle Tom little lady scouts said. As the next little lady scout walked a slobbery Doberman pincher up to the great beast, Burt Cannon snapped the popsicle stick in his hand in half and began to saw at his bonds with the slightly sharpened remains. The dogs will all be dead long before you get out that way, said a voice behind him. He knew without looking that it was Genevieve Turtletob. Your daughter has some strange extracurricular activities, Miss Turtletob. Or should I say your daughter's? That's not my daughter, Mr. Cannon. None of them are. They liked my Muffy because of that fiery, independent streak I told you about. They used her all up to make these copies. And now you help them? I think they keep me around because they still need an adult to do certain things sometimes. Drive, seduce men, reach items on high shelves. I don't help them because I want to, though. I ate one of those cookies. Now they make me do everything. And they're making everyone else who eats their cookies do their bidding, too? No, not yet they aren't. They're waiting for others to arrive. The other what? The others like that! Genevieve pointed at the great beast as it swallowed the Doberman whole. Next on the menu, a poor, shivering mutt who had only just been given the name Margo. Cut me loose. I can't. You can and you will. Your daughter is dead, and now there's some creature worse than any nightmare you or I ever had enjoying a dog sled buffet over there, and I bet my last drumstick that world domination is for dessert. I've looked into your eyes, sweetheart, and I've seen something I recognize looking back. You're sick of people telling you what you can't do, what you're no good at, sick to your stomach. Well, here's your chance to prove them wrong. Make up your own mind about what you can and can't do, and cut me loose. You're right, Mr. Cannon. Genevieve Turtletob reached down and pulled off one of her four-inch stiletto heels and used it to cut the ice cream man's bonds. There was little time to waste, but Cannon took a moment to turn and face her. There were tears rimming the edge of her shining sapphire eyes. He pulled her close and kissed her. It was sweeter than any dream bar he had ever tasted. Now... If you'll excuse me, I've got to go beat up some ten-year-olds. Go get him. And so he did. Just before she was about to sacrifice poor Marlowe, Cannon landed a fierce roundhouse, square to the jaw of one of the little lady scouts. She crumpled to the ground like one of those little springy toy people standing on a disc with all of their limbs held together at the joints by string. And when you push the bottom of the disc upward, they fall over. You know what I mean? I think so. Anyway, she fell right over. The rest of the girls let go of the leashes they were holding and all ran at Cannon. He kicked the first one to reach him in the stomach, and she joined her sister on the floor. The next, he flipped over his back, and she flew into the nearest open mouth of the great beast. It bellowed and spit her out, but its jagged teeth had already finished the job. But soon, several of the girls were upon our ice cream peddling hero at once. Three grabbed each arm, two grabbed each leg, and they tripped him backwards over another crouching behind him. A howl pierced the air. It was Marlowe, 
the filthy mutt that no one wanted. He finished his bang and sank his teeth into the ankle of the nearest little girl assaulting Cannon. The rest of the dogs, emboldened by Marlowe's example, turned on the girls who had kidnapped him. Free from the grasp of their tiny hands, Cannon stood up once more. He took some small satisfaction from the sight of the menagerie of mongrels munching on the mimeographed munchkins. What he did not see was the sharp, spider-like limb of the great beast poised to pierce his torso from behind. Look out! yelled Genevieve Turtletop as she shoved Cannon aside. And the great beast's limb sunk into her back and came out through the front of her breast. That perfect, perfect breast. That hotchy mama breast. Genevieve! Cannon! You saved my life! I know. And she died. Probably she was going to say thank you. A safe assumption. Thank God it's Friday seemed unlikely. Especially as this was Thursday. Cannon held her for a moment and then stood up. He had a hunch. He was sad Genevieve Turtletop was dead, but he was pretty excited to have a hunch. All the real detectives had hunches all the time. He raced outside where he found his ice cream truck waiting for him. He turned the ignition, punched the gas pedal, and even turned on the music just for effect. He rammed through the warehouse's garage doors and headed straight for the great beast. Just before reaching it, he hit the brakes and turned the wheel so the truck spun around and came to a stop with its back doors just six and a quarter feet away from the beast. Cannon opened the back doors and began throwing armloads of ice cream treats into the great beast's mouths. His hunch had told him that if the thing liked eating dogs so much, then maybe, just maybe, like most dogs, it would be lactose intolerant. A mutt like Marlowe might be able to handle a little, but this much would be trouble. Plus all that chocolate. Chocolate is no good for doggies. The entire contents of the freezer were quickly tossed into the maws of the great beast. The horror shuddered and swelled and suddenly exploded in a green eruption all over the warehouse. The little lady scouts followed suit, bloating and blasting into an explosion of slime. Cannon pulled Genevieve Turtletob's body away from the limb of the great beast and wiped the gooey guts away from her face. It wasn't right, was all he said. Her death? Her enslavement to the little lady scouts? The cloning of her daughter? He guessed he meant all of those things. And more. Marlow came over to Cannon and nudged the man's arm with his muzzle. Cannon put his arm around the dog. Thanks for the save, boy. <coughs> Cannon rounded up the rest of the dogs, and they all piled into the back of the ice cream truck together. He drove back to the neighborhood where Genevieve and Muffy Turtletop had once lived, pulled all the lost dog flyers off the telephone poles, and returned the dogs to their owners, one by one. Hey, what's this goo all over him? Uh, beats me, buddy. It was like that when I found him. I, um, I'd give him a good bath pretty quick if I were you, though. Now, about that reward. Cannon collected the rewards offered for all of the lost dogs until there were only two left in the truck. The money he earned for returning the pets would cover the cost of the ice cream he'd lost, plus about $15. He pulled up to Jenny Valentine's house and walked MacGuffin up to the door. My dog! Oh, mister, you found my dog! Told you I would, didn't I? Oh, MacGuffin, you're home! What do I owe you, mister? I'll tell you what, kid. This one's on the house. What for? For believing in me. Uh, I got my five bucks 
today. I'll tell you what. Next time you hear about somebody missing something or somebody in trouble and they don't know who can help them, you tell them to come see me, Bert Cannon, Ice Cream Truck Detective. You got it, Mr. Cannon. Cannon returned to his ice cream truck, where there was just one dog still waiting. Well, what am I supposed to do with you now? <coughs> I never promised you anything but getting out of that pen for a little bit. <coughs> well, maybe, but it won't be easy. Most likely, there'll be more scraps, more trouble. Yeah, I thought you'd say something like that. Okay, Marlo, let's roll. Well, that got a little odd towards the end. Indeed, it did. And maybe not entirely appropriate to be telling a ten-year-old. Don't blame us. That's just how it happened. Did you learn anything? Yes. I told you a long time ago that I learned heroic people can come from unexpected places. And? And that organizations that promote traditional values and conformity among little children are inherently evil? Just so, good girl. Now, here's 25p to go buy yourself some ice cream. 25 pence will never buy me an ice cream. I think you mean thank you. Whatever. Can I get an ice cream, masters? To do what with? I don't know. To look at, longingly? You could look at mine longingly instead. Can I buy you an ice cream, my brother? Why, thank you. Can I buy you an iced cream, my dear brother? Why, thank you. Coming, Voxbot 5000? I'll be along in a moment, right after I read the credits. You have been listening to the inscrutable Brimbo Banks Brothers electronic storytime presentation of A Sticky Situation, a Bird Cannon Mystery or The Longwood Bar written by Brody H. Brocky and starring Brody H. Brocky as Bentley Brimblebanks and Justin Vidovic as Jameson Brimblebanks. This story's cast included Patrick Johnson as Bird Cannon, Jennifer Burks as Genevieve Turtletop, Jenny Valentine, um Tubby Malone, Kryn Hess as Sally Smedley, um Toffee Bar Crunch Kid, Amanda Birch as Muffy Turtletop, her clones, um the Nerdy Kid. Justin Vidovic as Officer O'Malley, um, the dog pound guy. Brody H. Brocky as Buddy, um, Bird's boss. Tonight's commercial was Lucky Cigarette Case Bulletproof Vests, written by Brody H. Brocky, um, starring Dave Melcher, Amanda Birch, Patrick Johnson, Justin Vidovic, um, Brody H. Brocky. The song, Shine On, Shine On, was written by Marie Fleur and Danny B. Harvey, um, performed by Marie Fleur. To hear more from Marie and learn more about her music, go to www.mariefleur.com or www.thatsingergirl.com. If you enjoyed tonight's story, be sure to subscribe to hear more electronic story times in the future. Check out our homepage at brimblebanksbrothers.com and like us on Facebook for more. If you are a songwriter who would like your music featured on the show, a comedy writer who would like to write a phony commercial, or a sound editor who would like to help out, email us at brimblebanksbrothers at gmail.com. Until next time, I am the Voxbot 5000 for the Brimblebanks Brothers saying...
Help! Help! I have fallen in a fountain. Won't some handsome young boy come and save me?